Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to Paradox. I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy. And we are so pleased to have Van Moody on with us. Van, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Van is a pastor. He's a speaker. He's also a leadership coach with Dr. John Maxwell's Equip. He's an author of The People Factor as well as The I Factor. He's also on the Dr. Oz core team. And um, the first thing I wanted to ask you was, it must take you at least 30 minutes a day to take all the supplements that Dr. Oz tells you to take. Are you required being on the core team to take all those supplements? I am not required to take the supplements, Uh but interestingly enough, I was already doing it prior to being a part of his core team. I'm a, I'm a healthy guy. I believe in living a healthy lifestyle, so it, it just fits perfectly. Jimmy tried supplements for 48 hours? About was that, that it? about that. <laughs> it yeah. just didn't work for his uh, his meat lifestyle. It was kind of like the uh, the P90, was it P90X? That you tried for, I don't even yeah, think you made it 48 hours. My wife and I hours. did the warm-up. We couldn't do the warm-up, so we gave it to our son. <laughs> I literally got all the equipment. <laughs> didn't work oh, well. Oh, wow. Van, we're so so excited that you're here. We want to talk to you first about your new book, The I Factor. Uh, tell us, what is The I Factor? The I Factor is all about your relationship with yourself. It's, it's about how do you live your best life starting from the inside out. The I Factor is so much bigger uh, than, you know, confidence and charisma. It's about who you are at your core, and it's about whether or not you are healthy at your core. And what I've learned is that it's so important for people to understand that real success starts from the inside out. And all of those are I-factor issues. We've seen an epidemic of individuals who have really crashed and burned or not lived up to their potential or suffered unnecessarily in life. And it's not because of any external factors. It's because they haven't been able to lead themselves well. Uh, One of my lifelong quotes is from a guy by the name of Leo Toy Story, a great novelist. And he said that everybody thinks of changing the world, but nobody thinks of changing themselves first. And that's what the I factor is about. Who are you at your core? How do you make sure that you remain healthy um, from the inside out? Because you are the common denominator in everything. And if if you're healthy from the inside out and if your I factor is solidified, uh, then everything that you touch uh, will benefit from it. So that's really what the I factor is about. And I deal with in the book how it revolves having a healthy eye factor revolves really around three core issues. Your understanding of identity, having a healthy sense of identity, um, significance, and perspective. And when you settle those three key ingredients, they make a healthy eye factor. So when you use the phrase building uh, a relationship with yourself, that's sort of what you're referring to. Absolutely. Absolutely. We focus... We have a tendency, and the world leads us to place all of our focus on the external trappings of life. You know, uh, what you wear, what you drive, your title, 
your degrees, your accomplishments, uh, your social network, your Rolodex, the people you know, all of those things. And those things are okay. Um, but the real essence of whether or not you live a life of purpose and meaning has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with your inside life, who you are at your core, and how you navigate those challenges that inherently grow out of ourselves. A lot of individuals can't manage themselves well, and that's uh, why this whole notion of the I factor is so important. The I factor is how you think about yourself, how you relate to yourself, um, who you are at your core. That's the I factor. Um, how does this differ from just the old run-of-the-mill self-esteem? Well, you know, the, the notion of self-esteem is really tied to only self-worth, you know, that I, I feel like I'm valuable. That's where self-esteem really grows from. The I factor is so much bigger than that. You know, as I said a moment ago, it's not only how you think about yourself, but it's how you feel about yourself and how you relate to yourself. So, for an example, you can have the greatest esteem, but how do you feel about yourself after you go through tragedy? How do you handle life after the unexpected happens? And there are a lot of individuals that have a healthy sense of esteem, but they still stumble through life because of these other kinds of issues and that's why the I factor is bigger than that. The I factor is really a combination of dynamics that converge to form the totality of a person's relationship with themselves. So it's it's more than self-worth. It's more than self-respect. It goes beyond character and motives. Um, it really deals with your relationship with yourself and about managing yourself and your whole life well. So it's the next step or two or three beyond this notion of self-esteem. Woo, that'll preach. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Excellent. <laughs> As a pastor, he absolutely knows that. I figured. Um, so this relationship with self, obviously having a, a, a big intra or a healthy intrapersonal relationship with self is, is healthy or is, is good. How then does that impact your interpersonal relationship? So specifically relationship with spouse, how does the I factor um, really play into a relationship with spouse? Oh man, it plays in a, in a really big part. Um, you know, it's interesting when I do a lot of uh, counseling and ministry to couples, I often explain to them, uh, that when two people get married, uh, it's not necessarily that two people get married, it's that four people have gotten married because you've got the bride and then you've got her expectations, her experiences, <laughs> all of the things that shaped her. And then you've yes. got the groom and you have the same thing for him. And often marriages aren't necessarily difficult because it's not two people that are fighting. It's really four. It's the bride and the groom and their expectations, their worldview, their perspective. And so what a healthy eye factor does is it really helps you to settle a lot of those core issues that factor into who you are as a bride, who you are as a groom, who you are as a parent, you know, a single parent or mother, father. And those often are the things that we ultimately pass on to our children. And so if, if I'm healthy at my core, then then that relationship, that marriage, that parental relationship is going to be better. So for an example, one of the reasons that marriages oftentimes suffer unnecessarily is because of unresolved issues or because of experiences that negatively impacted that person. And I have seen a number of couples that you know come to me and they said, you know, I don't quite get it. Like, why is my wife so sensitive about this issue? Or why is this a big issue with my husband? And then when we start peeling the layers, and I talk about that in the book, that that's the process that's required to really get to your core. 
because we all started as a seed, you know, DNA speaking. We started as a seed, just like an onion started as kind of a, a seed or a pit. But then what happens over life is that these layers end up being kind of applied. And what happens is people try to get married and have a healthy marriage from beneath all of those layers. And that's where the problem comes in. And so with couples that have had challenges, a lot of what I do as a counselor, as a minister, is to help peel those layers and get to really what is the core of the issue, what is the, the core of, of their outlook on this problem. And then when you know they get to that, people are better able to relate to one another. In another easy way to explain it, instead of dealing with secondary and tertiary issues that sometimes consume the communication within a marriage, you get to communicate from the core, which makes for easier understanding, better communication, and just a happier uh, existence together. So it is absolutely important to be to be healthy um, in your marriage, and also as parents, we we pass on to our kids either the healthy part of of our I factor or the negative part of our I factor. And so then you set up this whole generational component um, that could be good or it could be unnecessarily bad uh, based on whether or not your eye factor is healthy or not. And how do you pass on that healthy relationship with self to your kids? Oh, yeah. Well, everything flows from your sense of identity. So, you know, my wife and I are blessed to have two great kids. And one of the main things that I communicate to them is who they are. You know, my son and I, uh, we have this kind of mantra where I'll just ask him, you know, who are you? And and he'll say, I'm I'm a moody man and I'm a Christian man. And, and, and this is just his mantra. And what that does, I mean, my son is seven years old, but what that does is it solidifies who he is as an individual. So when I talk about identity, your identity is not what you do. Your identity is not what happens to you. Your identity is not the circumstances that we're defining in your life. Your identity is deeper than that. But so often what we do is we live out of all of the wrong things. And so what I'm doing for my children and what parents can do is to be intentional to define their identity for their kids. So for an example, I think many people understand the significance of the why question. You know, the why question um, really, I think, reverberated with our nation on a multiplicity of levels, whether it was the purpose-driven life or what have you. That's a big question. Why am I here? What on earth am I to do? What's my purpose? But the step before answering the why question is the who question. And parents have to do that for their children. Who are you? This is who you are. You are not whether or not you've gone to the right schools and gotten the right job. That's not who you are. And millennials are asking the question, and every child, every child looks at their parent for that notion of identity, not just that, hey, I'm a a Smith or I'm a Moody, but beyond that, mom and dad, who am I? And you see it all through scripture that that was really the responsibility of parents to define identity for their kids, and then their kids lived out of that identity. So that's one of the most important things that a parent can do for their child is to settle the identity issue, settle the significance issue, and then give them the wherewithal to look at life through the through the healthy lens of perspective. You can yeah, take two you. people and take and send them through the same experience, and one come out good and the other come out bitter. And it's not the experience, it's their ability to have a healthy perspective. So parents have got to give that to their kids. And I think you hit it with the word intentional. You know, I think so often, you know, these parents are just trying to keep their nose above water all day and survive. Um, And if we're not intentional about these things, they just simply won't happen. Oh, absolutely. The parenting can't be haphazard um, and and it cannot be reactive. 
Um, you know, for unfortunately for a lot of people, it is. But the the best effort for marriage and parenting is that you got to be intentional. Um, healthy marriages and healthy parenting relationships and healthy children grow up in homes that are intentional. They define the things that matter instead of having those things defined for them. Yeah. And that's why the I factor is so important. Um, Van, you are also the pastor of the Worship Center in Birmingham. And we're recording this a week or so after the election. Uh, it'll drop in a few weeks. But um, this has just been a, I think the word crazy certainly applies. Uh, I'm not sure I, I remember anything quite like this. As a pastor, when you have the opportunity at a time like this in, in the nation's history to step before your people and speak to them, what, what was your message to your church family? You know, my, my message was to really challenge them to think deeper and beyond a lot of what we saw play out in the media. Um, I think the, the responsibility of any pastor is to make sure that people are clear on what does God say about it and to not have the argument or the the subject matter um, dominated by what the world has to say. And I think that's where the craziness has come in, because what we saw from the candidates and even what we saw from media pundits and others was just was just crazy. And so my message was, what is what does God have to say about it? And we covered several things. We we dealt biblically with all of the core issues that were on both sides of the election. Um, because I wanted to build the understanding in people about what does the Bible really say, but then I wanted to challenge them to do the wrestling themselves. And so I didn't want to give them the answer of who they should vote for, but I did want them to have all of the tools that they needed so that they could properly really see what our country is facing and then understand that their responsibility as a believer um, was to do certain things. So for an example, I vehemently believe that it is the church's responsibility to be a a source of unity and healing in our country. I really believe that. I think that you can sum up the gospel of Jesus Christ in one word, and it's love. And so I challenged our church to get beyond being reactive. I challenged our church to, to not just be motivated only by how they feel, but by a higher obligation to be salt and light and to glorify Christ. Um, in every opportunity that they have, because, you know, there's hurt on both sides of the aisles, there's hurt on both sides of, you know, the issues. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do more than anything else is to come together. And love is the only force strong enough to do that. You know, love is bigger than whether you are a red state or a blue state or Democrat or Republican, because the things that we have in common, particularly Christ, is much bigger than the things that we disagree on. And so I wanted to point our church to those things so that we just wouldn't wallow um, in the things that, in the end, are distractions. Hmm. Uh, regardless of who was elected, there's still work for us to do, and I think the church has got to lead that. And we have a responsibility biblically to pray and to support um, our elected officials. Yeah, whoever. And so regardless of whether or not, yeah, your, your candidate got into office, First Timothy is very clear, you know, that we are to pray for them. You know, that we are to submit to them, to honor them, because in doing that, that does please God. So that was really the dominant message. I want the church to be the church uh, and to be an instrument of healing and reconciliation and love so that our country can move forward. You know, it's the race relations in America are at an all-time high. I mean, I'm in my mid-30s, and they're higher than they've ever been for me. Um 
and I'd love for you to speak to, to kind of that. You, you said uh, you had sermons on kind of core issues and what does the Bible truly say about them? And I would love just from an African-American community perspective, what are kind of the core issues uh, for you guys right now? Right. Well, let me, let me deal with that in two ways. Biblically, the responsibility of every believer um, is to, first of all, understand that in Christ we're all one. And that's a message that, unfortunately, I don't hear enough, um, but we are one. The Bible is very clear that in Christ there's no slave, no free, no, no Jew, no Greek, no male, no female. We have a higher identity that we all appeal to that's grounded in what Jesus did for us. So it's not just a, a black believer or a white believer issue. It's a Jesus issue. And so that was a dominant message that I communicated to our church um, biblically in terms of what is our responsibility. What God wants is God does want racial reconciliation. That's a part of what Jesus did on the cross. Um, and you see that even through the Gospels in terms of his ministry to disenfranchise people. It crossed uh, racial barriers, you know, his ministry to the Samaritan, his ministry to a number of different groups of people crossed racial barriers. It crossed ethnic barriers. It crossed social barriers. And so if he is our leader and our, our savior and our ideal, you know, if you call yourself Christian, it literally means a Christ-like lifestyle. And so if that is what we ascribe to, then we've got to model that. So racial reconciliation ought to be the mantra of the church. You know, pulling people together ought to be led by the church. Uh, so that's biblically what I've dealt with. But then socially, you know, it, this has been a very hurtful period, very, very hurtful. But I still feel like people who have been oppressed are probably the most uniquely positioned to bring healing. And so what okay. I've shared with people of color is, number one, you know what oppression feels like. I know, I know what it's like to be a minority in our country. I know what it's like to be looked at and, and stereotyped. But I, I don't want anybody else to suffer that. So I want my interaction with different groups of people to be um, healing and reconciliatory so that I can lead by example. And that's really what I've challenged people of color to do. Stop being so reactive. Okay, let's get beyond how hurt we are. And I know that that's real. But then let's talk about what are we going to do to be agents of change and to not just use this as an excuse to go backwards. Because what we've seen is that somebody's got to be the bigger person. I mean, when you see the foolishness that's happening on a national stage, you know, it suggests that, okay, well, maybe we can't expect for them to be bigger and to lead our children and to lead our country. But if they're not going to do it, who is? And I think we're uniquely positioned to do it. All great change has happened at the grassroots level. And here's a big truth. Our elected leaders are really elected followers. And so they follow the wishes and the whims of the majority of people. So if we could utilize our influence um, at a grassroots level in a positive way, then we can affect change at every level of our society. I, you know, when, when we're dealing with married couples, you know, we'll always say when it comes to reconciliation, it's, it's always the more spiritually mature that make the first move. Uh, and I guess you could you could apply that on kind of a, a national scale. Van, we are so, so pleased that you were with us today. Yeah, Van, thank you so much for being with us. If you want more information about Van, you can go to vanmoody.com. 
Uh, you can find him on Facebook at Pastor Van Moody, Twitter Van underscore Moody, and Instagram Van underscore Moody7. Van, thank you so very much, and have a wonderful day. And remember, the invitation to Enchiladas Imas is open. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm going to take you up on it. Anytime. I look Come on, to it. All right. Thank All right. you a lot, Pastor. Take Pastor. care, buddy. He is now one of the most amazing guys. <laughs> What a great guy. Yeah, he was incredible. From everything, from his parenting comments to his pastoral comments to his, man, that guy's got it going on. Yeah, one of the the things that jumped out to me was as far as the parenting, we have to settle their identity first. Yes. So they have to know that they are followers of Christ, that they are adopted children of God, um, and that secondarily, I, I see it in my practice, so many families that are hurting and reeling, they feel splintered. They feel like a group of individuals yes. trying to make it in one house. Mm-hmm. And there's less emphasis on community and togetherness and mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. So if there is anything that I want my kids to, to find their identity in, it's first of all, they're followers of Christ. Secondarily, they're Myers. Mm-hmm. Similar, I'm a moody man, right? Mm-hmm. They are Myers, and so that means we take care of family, mm-hmm. that we do not pick on family, and obviously there will be times where that will happen, but those are teaching then opportunities, and but when we, they are, get we really, are together when we are one. And when they get really old, you just don't throw them in a home, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> no, we, we definitely do that. Oh, oh, your sister, if I get a bad cold, <laughs> she's already making, she's got the old folks home on a speed dial. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what a uh, what an amazing guy! Uh, if you if you listen to what he's saying and the difference between what he's saying and the old thing of self esteem about how it goes so far beyond uh, just simply loving yourself, you know, we tell people love themselves, and it's like, well, why? I mean, the I factor tends to give us a reason to do that. It, you know, it's been said it's not as much self esteem as it is Christ esteem. Um, yeah, need to grab it. The I factor. Yeah, so we are going to have more information about this episode at paradoxpodcast.com. You can go there and sign up for our email listserv as well as click on the episode tag or tab and then find Van's um, blog post and you can find all the links to anything that we referenced in this show. Guys, we appreciate that you joining us and we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Success is not simply what happens in D.C. When Jesus tells us to love our neighbors, I think he... He means our actual neighbors, right? And that's one of the ways we can do that.